Welcome to Pro Life in 7 Minutes, the show where I spend over 20 minutes teaching you how you can persuade a pro choice person in only 7. I'm your host, Katherine Burrow. I'm the co founder and executive director of the Abortion Dialogue Academy, also known as ADA. Let's dive into today's episode. Welcome back, everyone. I'm fighting a little bit of a head cold right now. My daughter is in that stage of babyhood where she licks everything. (laughs) And I think she got sick and then got me sick as well. So if I sound a little congested on this episode, that is why. But I was not going to delay it another week because I know how eager all of you are to learn the first part of the seven minute argument. Now, a couple of housekeeping things before we get started. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. However, I'm going to recommend that you go back and listen to the first five episodes because I'm going to be referring to concepts we covered in those episodes in today's episode. Next, if you are not on our email list yet, go sign up because you're going to need our outreach card for today's episode. So to sign up for the email list, you can either go to our website. It's www.abortiondialogueacademy.org slash podcast, or click the link in the show notes. And then I'll email you our outreach card so you can print it off and use it in your conversations. If you're on our email list, you should have already got the outreach card emailed to you. It's a little five by seven green card. It's got some photos and some icons on it. And our volunteers use it to explain the seven minute argument visually. Now, it's really, really important that you use the outreach card in your conversations with pro-choice people because what we found is that when you explain the argument with like a visual aid, more pro-choice people understand it. And when more people understand it, they are more likely to find it persuasive. So go download the outreach card, print it out and use it in your conversations. So now that those housekeeping notes are taken care of, let's dive into today's episode. So if you remember in episode five, I said that there were only three pro-choice arguments. And one of those arguments is the circumstance argument. So that's what we're going to teach you today. The seven-minute argument has four parts to it. And the first part is to respond to the pro-choice person's circumstance arguments. Now, if you remember from episode five, circumstance arguments are assuming that the fetus is not a person. So the way you respond to them is you show the pro-choice person how their logic is really hinging on this assumption. And you're going to do this by making an analogy to a newborn. Now, our circumstance section of the seven-minute argument has four steps in it. And you are going to be the most persuasive in your conversations if you just memorize these four steps. Now, memorize it. Don't read it to the pro-choice person. I actually got an email recently where somebody was like, oh, so we're supposed to like read the words to the pro-choice person. No, you don't want to read it to them because when you read something to someone else, it's very distracting. You're asking the pro-choice person to do some pretty complex thinking and philosophy with you. And so if you're actively going back and forth between a piece of paper and like reading it and then writing something and then reading something, they're going to be so distracted by what you're reading that they're not really going to track with what you're saying. So don't read it memorize it and present it from memory, but stick as closely as possible to the language and the words I'm going to teach you today. Now, sometimes new volunteers get a little hung up on this. I feel like they go to one of two extremes. The first extreme is they're like, oh my gosh, I need to say every single word exactly as they teach it, or it's going to fail. Or the other extreme, eh, the words aren't that important. I can probably just say whatever. Both are wrong. 
The truth is, is that when we're teaching an intern to listen to and kind of grade conversations, we teach them that there is such a thing as a reword neutral, which is where you change the language of a step without hurting the content. It's like a neutral change. You know, you can switch words around without losing the meaning. But a lot of times new volunteers do not understand what parts of a step are essential. So that's why I always tell people, just memorize it and stick as closely as you can to it. Not because it's impossible to say these concepts any other way, but because you don't want to accidentally weaken the strength of the argument by changing things around. So with all that being said, the first thing we need to do is we need to start the conversation. You need to essentially get permission from the pro-choice person to start presenting the seven-minute argument to them. Now, there's two ways you can do this, and the technique you're going to use is going to depend on who you're talking to. So we teach our volunteers how to start conversations with complete strangers. However, for many of you listening to this, you might be wanting to talk to someone who's a close friend or family member. So the way you're going to approach a stranger and the way you're going to approach, you know, maybe someone who you work with is going to be different. If you're talking to a stranger, you're going to do what our volunteers do. So they actually use a survey to start the conversation. So we have a survey. If you're on our email list, I will make sure that I send it out to you so you can see what it looks like. And what it is, is we ask, you know, hey, I'm doing a survey on abortion. Do you have three minutes to answer six quick questions? And so the questions are, should abortion be legal in the following five circumstances? Sex selective abortion. So that's an abortion based on the gender of the child. Down syndrome, teen mother, poverty, and rape. And then the last question is, do they know anyone who's had an abortion? Now, sometimes volunteers think that the survey is just a ploy to start a conversation, but that's not actually true. We actually do some very interesting statistical analysis on the trends that we're seeing on the college campuses. So I'll have a whole podcast episode on our statistics. But if you want to start a conversation with a stranger, for example, you can use our survey to do so. Now, obviously, though, if you want to talk to someone you know about this issue, you don't need to use a survey to do it. You can just skip to the very first step of circumstance. So step A is to get the pro-choice person's permission to present the seven-minute argument to them. So it's going to sound a little different based on whether or not this is a stranger that you've met through the survey or if this is someone you already know. So step A, if you started the conversation with a stranger with the survey, is thanks That's the end of the survey, but I'm curious to get your thoughts on an abortion argument I like to share with people. Can I show you this card to explain the argument? It's not a part of the survey. Now, if the conversation is with a friend or someone you know, the way I would start the conversation is with kind of step A 2.0, and I would say, hey, I'm listening to this podcast that teaches this pro-life argument. Can I explain it to you with this diagram and get your thoughts on it? So let's break down the important language in this first step, because a lot of people think that the language in the first step is not that important, but it is. So if you're doing the survey method, it's really important that the pro-choice person understands that this is the end of the survey, that you want to have a conversation that is no longer a part of the survey. And the reason this is important is twofold. One, you don't want the pro-choice person to feel like you tricked them, like they have only consented to a three-minute survey. You want to get them to consent to an additional conversation after the fact. And the second reason it's important is you want to get them out of interview mode. If they think you're still doing the survey, they're going to be kind of waiting for whatever your next question is and thinking about like their answer to it instead of being fully engaged in the argument you're presenting. So you need to communicate that the survey is over. 
Now, the next component that is really important, and this is true for both the survey method and the friend method, is you need to communicate to the per choice person that you're curious to get their thoughts on this argument. You want their thoughts on this argument. The most common way I see volunteers mess up this step is by not clearly communicating what you want the conversation to be. So volunteers will be vague. They'll be like, well, I want to talk to you about it. I want to get your thoughts. I just want to like chat more. And what happens is notice how you've made a different request here. So what we're asking for is to get their thoughts on the argument. So we're making it very clear like, hey, I've got this thing I want to tell you and I want your thoughts on it which is different than just, I'd like to have a conversation. Because when you say, I'd like to have a conversation, or I just want your thoughts in general, what typically pro-choice people do is they start just telling you their thoughts. And I see this all the time. A new volunteer does not do the first step correctly, and they invite the pro-choice person to ramble. And then the pro-choice person starts saying all their half-baked talking points. And the volunteer looks at me with a deer in headlights look like, ah, what do I do? They're saying all these things, not realizing that one, you invited them to say all those things. And two, everything they're saying nine times out of 10 is just a circumstance argument. All you have to do is go to the next step. Nothing has gone wrong. So it's interesting how even changing that language of the very first step can make the conversation harder on yourself. Now, the last thing I want to talk about before we move on to the next step is how transparent you're being with the pro-choice person, especially the friend version. So you're literally saying to your friend exactly what has happened. You know, like you're listening to this podcast, you've learned this argument, you want to show it to them and get their thoughts on it. Being transparent is going to make you more persuasive. Pro-choice people are not dumb. They know you're pro-life. They know you probably want to persuade them. You're showing up to this conversation with like some printed literature. Like they're willing to hear you out. You just need to be upfront about what you're doing and why you're doing and what you want from them. And notice what you want from them. You don't want to debate them. You just want to present this argument to them and let them be the judge. Let them tell you what they think of it and whether or not it's persuasive. So that's step A. Then in step B, you need to build common ground. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, then go back and listen to episode three. When we build common ground, you're going to find areas of agreement between you and the pro-choice person. So what you're going to do if you're doing the survey method is you're going to write the circumstance, any circumstance the pro-choice person said abortion should be legal in, in the little circumstance bubble at the top left corner of the outreach card. And then you're going to build common ground with that circumstance as you write it. And for the record, your common ground should be about a sentence per circumstance. So don't go too crazy. You don't want this to turn into a 10-minute monologue. For example, if the project person said on the survey that they thought abortion should be legal in teen mother, poverty, and rape, you would write teen mother, poverty, and rape in that little bubble. And you'd say something to the effect of, I agree that teenagers are often not ready for the responsibility of having a child and that poverty is a really difficult situation to find yourself pregnant in. It must be very scary to not know how you're going to afford formula or diapers for your baby. And rape is by far the hardest situation for a woman to find herself pregnant in because she's just been the victim of a violent crime and now has to make a really difficult decision about what to do next. Now, that's just some examples of what you could say. There's a lot of things you can say. Common ground is not scripted. So you just want to make sure that anything you say to the pro-choice person is something that you genuinely feel and believe. 
Now, with the survey approach, the pro-choice person has told you what circumstances they think abortion should be legal in. With the friend approach, your buddy hasn't actually said anything yet. So what I would do in this scenario is I would just use teen mother poverty and rape as my example and write those in the circumstance bubble because the average pro-choice person tends to support abortion in those three cases. So those are some easy cases that you can build common ground with to just start presenting the argument. The only way I ever see volunteers mess up this step B is twofold. One, they forget about it and they totally skip it, um, which is not good. You don't want to do that. Or two, they do what I talked about in episode three, where they end up contradicting the common ground. So instead of saying, you know, I agree with you, poverty is really hard. They say something to the effect of, but we have a lot of pregnancy resource centers, so poverty is not that big of a deal. So don't skip this step. Don't contradict the common ground. Build some common ground. And then you're ready to move on to the next step. So the next step is C, challenge with humility. There are two challenge steps in the circumstance part of the argument. The first challenge step is to say, however, if there was a newborn in these circumstances, we would agree that it should be illegal to kill the newborn because he's a person. Now, as you're doing this step, you're going to write on the outreach card to help the purchase person visually see the logic. You're going to circle the word illegal under the photo of the newborn baby and write person in the blank space. So if you're confused by what I mean, go check out the PDF that I'll have emailed you of how to fill out the outreach card. It'll show you that step by step. So the step is going to go like this. However, if there was a newborn in these circumstances, we would agree that it should be illegal. You're circling illegal to kill the newborn because he's a person and you're writing person in that blank space. Now, there's five key components to this first step. They're all very important and volunteers will mess up all five of them. The first important word is newborn. Now, we intentionally pick the word newborn, not baby. And the reason is because baby is a very vague word. People use baby to talk about the unborn. They use it to talk about born. They use it to talk about toddlers. So by picking the word newborn, we're picking a clear word that communicates a baby that is born that is very, very close in development to the unborn. The next important component is the phrase in these circumstances. This is another important part of this step that new volunteers often omit. You want to relate the newborn to the circumstances you were just talking about in the previous two steps. You are asking the pro-choice person to imagine a newborn who is living in poverty or was conceived in rape or has a teen mom. Now, this next part is critical. You're next going to say that we would agree that it should be illegal to kill the newborn. This we would agree language is really, really, really important. You do not want to ask the pro-choice person, do you think it should be legal to kill newborns? Don't ask that. That's a very aggressive and kind of offensive question. It's really important that you don't present uncontroversial things in a question form. Because when you ask an uncontroversial thing as a genuine question, like asking, do you think it should be legal to kill newborns? Or do you think the sky is blue? The purchase person will get this like sinking feeling that you're like leading them into a logical trap. And when they feel like you're leading them into a logical trap, they're not going to trust you. They're not going to respect you. And they're going to rebel against it because nobody likes being made the fool. Nobody wants to be asked a series of like kind of unfair questions that then lead them to look like an idiot. You need the pro-choice person to trust you and listen to you if you want to be persuasive. So 
That's why it's so important that you word this as, you know, we would agree. You're communicating to the purchase person like, I'm a rational person, you're a rational person, we would both agree that it should be illegal to kill the newborn. Now, the other component that's important is the word illegal. It's really important that you do not substitute this word. A lot of volunteers will say that, you know, it's bad or it shouldn't or it's immoral, but you don't want to do that. You want to say illegal because the truth is many pro-choice people already think that abortion is bad or wrong or something that should be avoided. But our argument is that abortion is more than that. Abortion is something that should be against the law. It should be illegal. And then the last part of this step is it should be illegal to kill the newborn because he's a person. This is the why behind why it should be illegal to kill the newborn. And notice again that we're using the word person. If you remember from episode four, there's a lot of confusion around the word human. So in our conversations, we're going to use the word person when we're talking about a person in the philosophical sense. So make sure you use the word person, not human, because it's going to be really important later in the conversation. Now, this leads us into step two. Step two is, do you see how at whatever point the fetus becomes a person like the newborn, abortion should be illegal in all of these circumstances because it kills a person. As you say this step, you're going to circle the circumstances you wrote in the top left corner of the outreach card to really put emphasis on what you're talking about in this step. So it'll go like this. Do you see how at whatever point the fetus becomes a person like the newborn, abortion should be illegal in all of these circumstances? Now you're going to circle, you know, teen mother, poverty and rape in all of these circumstances, because it kills a person. I'm going to break down the important components of this step because there's a lot here. So the first important part is at whatever point. Notice how we're not saying what point we think the fetus is a person in this step. All we're saying is that at whatever point the fetus becomes a person, whatever point that happens to be, at that point, abortion should be illegal. Now, this is really critical, this at whatever point language. And it's the number one way I see volunteers mess up this step. They go ahead and just assert that the fetus is a person like a newborn. And this is problematic for a couple of reasons. The first is because the pro-choice person doesn't agree with that assertion. Like the reason they're pro-choice is because they think the fetus is not a person. They are presenting a circumstance argument to you because they're assuming that the fetus is not a person. So you, you can't just assert the opposite and expect that to be compelling. But the second reason is because when you lose this at whatever point language, you really lose the whole purpose of this step. For the pro-choice person, they believe so strongly that the fetus is not a person, that's why they're bringing up all of these societal issues. And because it's such a strong belief for them, it's really hard for them to imagine the opposite. So what we're asking the pro-choice person to do is we're asking them with this step to step outside of their worldview, to consider for a second that hypothetically, if the fetus happened to be a person like the newborn, at that point, abortion should be illegal in all of these circumstances. So you really want the purchase person to do this mental logic with you to see how at whatever point the fetus becomes a person, all of these circumstances that they're bringing up, none of them justify killing an innocent person. That is the point of this step. And you lose that point when you lose the at whatever point language. 
Notice next that I call the unborn the fetus. That's intentional. I'm using a scientific term, a clear term that makes it really clear to the pro-choice person that I'm talking about the baby in utero. So once the fetus becomes a person, now notice again, we're using this word person because we're talking about when the fetus becomes a person in the philosophical sense. Once it becomes a person like the newborn, and the newborn is our reference point of what we mean when we say person. And having that reference point of the newborn is important because a lot of pro-choice people think of the fetus as like a potential person. And so what we're saying here is, no, 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 at whatever point it becomes a person like the newborn is a person. At that point, abortion should be illegal. Illegal. <laughs> illegal, illegal, illegal. Do not say immoral or bad or wrong or shouldn't. We are arguing legality here. And this is also important because a lot of times, you know, people complain. They're like, ugh, how do you even have these conversations with young people today? Because so many people are moral relativists. Well, the truth is, if you keep the conversation on legality, you don't have to talk about moral relativism. We cannot have relativistic laws. Like, laws are black and white. So you do not need to persuade the choice person that morals are black and white or that moral relativism is false. You actually can just totally sidestep it and just talk about legality. But sometimes volunteers don't do that. They substitute this illegal word for immoral, thinking it's not a big deal. And then they find themselves drugged down this moral relativistic rabbit hole. So that's why words are important. And that's why you should just memorize the words I give you because we pick them out very intentionally. Now, the next component of this is that abortion should be illegal in all of these circumstances. And you're going to circle the circumstances to show the pro person that like, hey, at whatever point the fetus is a person, then none of these circumstances would justify killing the fetus. And the reason they wouldn't justify killing the fetus is because it is a person. So see how we've gone full circle. There's a newborn in these circumstances. We'd agree it should be illegal to kill the newborn because he's a person. So do you see how at whatever point the fetus becomes a person like that newborn, abortion should be illegal in all of these circumstances because it kills a person? So that is the first part of the seven-minute argument. That is how you address circumstance arguments. You show the pro-choice person that they're assuming that the fetus is not a person like a newborn. And if it was a person like a newborn, then abortion should be illegal in all of these circumstances because none of these hard situations or circumstances they've brought up justify killing a person. So the next logical place you need to go in the conversation is to a discussion of, well, what makes a person a person. That's what I'm going to teach you next time. I'm going to teach you the next section of our seven-minute argument, the personhood section. Tune in in two weeks to learn that. If you liked today's episode, you can help support the channel by leaving us a five-star review. Make sure you hit that follow button so you never miss an episode. And if you haven't yet, sign up for our podcast email list on our website. That's www.abortiondialogacademy.org slash podcast. That way you get all the training exercises from the show delivered right to your inbox. Now I will see all of you next Saturday as I continue to teach you how you can persuade someone to be pro-life in seven minutes. Until next week, God bless.